All right, I'm ready if you're ready. Welcome to the Free Refills Podcast, where we talk about the realities of leading in youth ministry. Uh, we hope that you will leave refreshed, refueled, and re-energized as you carry on your role in youth ministry. Today, I am joined by my co-host, Johnny Radcliffe. My name is Wayne Morgan. And Johnny, you are in a different location than you typically are. Tell me a little bit about that, brother. Yes, I am, Wayne. Uh, as I look around here, I am currently in Harvey Cedars, New Jersey, the wow. conference center. Uh, Wayne, you've been here before. It's a lovely place, isn't it? It is a fantastic place. So I believe on the last episode, we actually hinted that Todd Parridge was doing something called the Youth Leader Summit, and I'm right. here right now. And I see the logos behind you for those of us who uh, are watching instead of listening. Yes, I even <laughs> this is going to be frustrating for those people. They're going to be like, I need the video. I need to see it. And I tell you what, you're really missing out because the backdrop is impeccable. The only thing better than this backdrop is the swag game of Todd Parrish, which is just the t-shirts are from level. Sunday. Cool. Like I, I, I got a t-shirt, like I got stickers, like I need him to do our promo. The guy's an animal. It's crazy. Well, he's he's kind of like your youth pastor. Now he's got all the stuff. He's merching you up. It's going to be great. <laughs> I know exactly. Yeah. I want to walk out of here with a water bottle and a cinch bag. And I just haven't seen where those are yet. I'm sure they're like behind <laughs> this banner or something. I don't know. All right, so Wayne, I have a bone to pick. Yeah, go go for it. All right, this is a safe place, right? Like, uh, it is a safe place. Okay, transparency. We have all mm -hmm. of our friends listening. I mean, now, trust makes trust makes a team go. So uh, it does. And if I don't uh, speak my truth, I think it's going to eat me up inside. Our last episode, mm -hmm. I introduced to the world the world's favorite game called Drippy Nims. Yes, you did. And then the editors cut out like most of the game. What? And and the worst part is, Wayne, the worst part oh my is word. that they only left the parts where you were doing really well. Oh, so, oh, man. Yeah, no. And yeah. that's not how the story goes. OK, I, the world needs to know that your Drippy Nims game is not so drippy. Well, you know, um, I will have to confer with the editors, but uh, I do think there's a possibility that we could get a little bit of that into this episode i i think i could probably make that happen but you know we don't want to see me dying on the vine you know so like maybe we'll do highlights is that is that a good compromise for us i mean or? as much as we love seeing you squirm uh i guess <laughs> all right i accept your offer we can just run the highlight <laughs> reel and then we'll jump into the meat of what we're here for for a topic that oh boy it's kind of a heavier podcast today i'm not gonna lie um, yeah. But it's definitely worthwhile. But before we get to that, let's bring some levity with the highlight reel of Wayne on Drippy Nims. Here we go. It is another single letter. The letter is G. G? Like, what's up, G? Like, Yo, G. Yo, G? Yes. Um. I'm going to say gangster because everybody thinks they're a gangster, but they're not. So uh, that's where I'm going. Gangster. I'm going to give you the credit. Yes, this is this is a throwback reference to the early days where it's like G slash friend. You'd be like, you okay. my G. This is a long one. You got to keep up. OK. All right. 
I-Y-K-Y-K. Well, if you know, you know. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> if you do know, you do know. All right. We're going to move on quickly from that one. Now we move to number seven. Mm. F-W-B. So I'll just let my mind do what it does, like four wind buttons. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but that's what just popped into my head. Um, so close. You got to think a little more scandalous. Bus. I don't even know. Four wheel yeah. bussin. I don't a know. A four like, wheel, four wheel bussin. Yeah. Four wheel bussin. Yeah. Let's go with that. A four wheel bussin because nobody's no. four wheel drive anymore. We don't that's like right. to drive. We're just going to go four wheel bussin. That's, yeah. that's how we Hold roll. Up. It's yeah. actually friends with benefits. Oh yeah, that's definitely weirder. Yes, I told you to get it, it get more difficult. All right, so here yeah. we go. Five of seven, number eight. I G L. I'm gonna go with I got Lamborghini because I, I don't care about my grades, and so let's just go. see what you got. Well, this is actually for in game life. Oh right, yeah. So I definitely wouldn't know that. Sorry, yeah. gamers, we love yeah. you. It's I okay. Just... It's it's probably like Minecraft, right? I, I, I think number nine t f w thousand foot win so a thousand foot crutch throwbacks w no idea man no idea that feeling when that <laughs> feeling when wayne keeps getting them wrong <laughs> all right this last one uh, there's no chance you're getting this one it's gonna so be a doozy I i'm just gonna say feeling. If you get it wrong, then you are five for five. That means you are only 50% cool. And that's that's good in some places. Like for my sermons, 50% being all right. Hey, I, I take that. So O-T-P. Oh, off track precipitation. I don't have any idea, man. You go to those nautical terms real quickly. It's actually one true pairing. Oh, what is that about? I don't know. I've never heard it in my life. What? I think it's the idea of like you and like coffee would Your be in, like Wawa for me. My Wawa is my OTP. Okay. okay. Like, that's all so, I got. You were five of 10, which is not terrible and is probably indicative that you're not Gen Z hanging out true. on TikTok all day. Uh, yeah, that is definitely a space where I'm not at. Um, <laughs> thanks for making me feel like I'm excessively old. Now I have to go do some research on this generation. Who knew that the, the Gen Z was so much different than us? The more you know. Thank you, Wayne. Thank, thank you for um, for bringing that back. I just I, I did a lot of work into that game and I just like seeing my work rewarded. That's all. Well, to be fair, last month there was an extended period of time and we wanted to get to the podcast much like we're trying to do right now. So uh, as much fun as it was, I struggled for an extended period of time last time. Love it. So, hey, without further ado, let's jump into that interview to hear Christy Mays. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is my privilege to bring to you Christy Mays of Godly, Texas. No lie. The town is called Godly. So go figure. Uh, Christy, can you tell us your background, just what you do for a living? Absolutely. Uh, I've been in education for 23 years. I'm a teacher and a coach. Uh, I've been blessed in the places I've been with. Um, I coach alongside my husband. So maybe there's some marital issues there. I don't know. <laughs> um, but really, um, for me, coaching and teaching is 
and it's cliche, but it really is a calling. I feel God has me where he wants me to be, to be on the front lines and to do his work by impacting kids and just showing them him through me. Love it. I got to ask, what do you coach? Everyone's wondering what sport? (laughs) Um, I coach basketball and I coach uh, softball. Nice. Coached uh, uh, track and cross country, but at Godly, I just do basketball and softball and I do FCA fellowship of Christian. Most of the time it's athletes, but I like to say anybody's because if you're breathing, I want you to come on in. So I love that. You may not know (laughs) this, but uh, you just covered both the important sports on this call because Wayne's a basketball guy. I'm a baseball guy. So I totally get it. Cool. (laughs) We are thrilled to have you on this because as we were discussing The idea of being prepared for tragedy, uh, one of the things we're always saying at NNYM is that you have to be prepared before tragedy strikes, uh, whether it's it's violence in schools or, you know, a a death of a a very important community figure, whether it's a teacher or a teacher's spouse, whatever it is to always be prepared. And as we were in a meeting, uh, Kevin Miles, someone, you know, pretty dearly, he said, hey, I know someone who is the epitome of this. And so uh, if you could give a little background to why uh, you have been prepared and what you have done in your years of education, uh, just experience some of this this tough stuff. Yeah, unfortunately, we're seeing more and more of the tough stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not if it's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. Unfortunately, it's kind of where, where we're at. Um, so my experience, um, I had a player who uh, was very near and dear to my heart. We did have a special relationship. Um, She made the unfortunate choice to commit suicide. She had just graduated high school. Um, Two days, she committed suicide two days prior to actually leaving for college. She was, um, you know, a lot of people think of, of people who are in that state of mind as being, um, you know, dark, depressed, you know, isolated. And this girl was not, she was the total opposite. So it really shook our community. Um, our kids, she was an athlete. She was a multi-sport athlete. She was national junior honor society. She was in the top 10. Um, everybody loved her, but yet she was fighting some demons that nobody saw. And so, um, you know, when that happened, my husband and I, we were both her coach, her softball coaches. I also coached her basketball. We were not in town and, um, our kids started calling us parents. Hey, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Um, because there was nobody there to surround the kids with love and for them to talk to and pray with. And so we got there uh, within the hour. Um, when we pulled up to the school, we had probably about 40 kids in the parking lot waiting on us. Um, so we weren't prepared as to what we were going to be facing throughout the next you know, few weeks and then, you know, months. Um, so it was rough. It was, it was tough. And we learned on the fly. And so I, since then, um, having a group of ministers, an alliance, a team put together, um, who are like-minded and, you know, ready to handle those types of challenges, I think is crucial, pivotal, especially in today's time. And it doesn't just have to be the ministers, but, you know, eating community, community members, whoever wants to come in, but um, for our kids, it was helpful because in Stephenville, we had a great group of ministers who worked alongside of us FCA-wise. 
um, Kevin was pivotal in that. That's kind of a, a little bit of our, our background um, with it. So, and the kids, you know, funneling questions like, and even as an adult, I struggled with coach, is she going to go to heaven? You know? Ooh, and right. yeah. And um, so we're praying with these kids. These kids are coming to our home um, because they just needed to talk uh, because a lot of times too, unfortunately in society, there's not a strong parent background, parental background there to help them through these things. And, you know, these kids are asking me things and, and I'm reaching out to ministers and I'm going, Hey guys, I need help. I don't, I don't know how to answer this stuff. The more prepared we are, the better it's going to be for the kids and the community in general. I live in the state of Pennsylvania. And so in order for uh, someone to go be requested to come to the school, to be an official part of the school, there's trainings, there's certifications, there's things that they have to go through ahead of time um, in order for those type of official partnerships to happen. Um, I'm wondering if you guys have something similar. And then the other thing is if that, those pastors don't have those partnerships, what, what, when you talk about reaching out and building relationships, what does that mean? Cause I know every youth pastor that just heard what you're talking about, their heart hurt, they would want to go and help, but if they've been on the other side of these encounters, they try to make the phone call and the person on the other end is really busy. They have no time to return a pastor's phone call. So what are some of the steps that you would recommend for ministers um, to become prepared in situations like this? Um, first and foremost, in, in my experience, I think we've been blessed in our situation because um I had a connection with our minister's outreach. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, if you can find somebody within the school system who maybe isn't like an administrator, because, you know, those guys are busy. But if there's somebody who's going to lead like um, FCA or Young Life or Exchange Jets, maybe that could be your liaison into the school. Um, our ministers in Stephenville, where Kevin is, they had a background check. It was paperwork. And that was really um, they could come speak and they could come into our schools and, you know, lunch with the kids if they needed to. And the same thing here with Godly. We've just made those connections um, as far as through F my role in FCA. Um, so for those youth ministers listening, um, reach out. You know, it's not it's not always what you know, it's who you know. So find somebody within the system. You know, when we were at Godly, um, our ministers didn't really know each other. So yeah. I've said ministers, you know, um, almost alliance type thing where we meet and we plan different things. Um, so it's a community. It's not, you know, well, this church is doing this and this church is, and people get their feelings hurt. No, we are one body. We are Christ. Right. And that's what we're called to do. And so all those labels, denominations, whatever you want to call them are laid down. And, um, you know, we've just created a, a support group that way. I love that. And I, what you described is honestly one of the, I don't, I don't know any other to say this. It's, it's kind of the networking utopia where it's not just networks coming together from churches or youth pastors. It's the churches interlinking with the schools, interlinking with the parachurch, like fellowship of Christian anybody's. I like that. They should really start changing that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what you just described is that the best way to serve this, this school during this crisis is to have all of them working in conjunction and before tragedy strikes. And it almost feels like you guys were, nothing prepares you for these things. So no. I'm not going to state that. No. I'm going to say, it sounds like you all were at a, a certain advantage 
than mm. a place where it's not as well networked. Would you say so? I would think so. I would say so. Yeah. We were really blessed in that we had a group in place who could minister to, to the kids. And, you know, in times like this, it's just about being present, just mm-hmm. down and being present and just being, I don't know, supportive in any way that you can. And again, like you said, um, you know, administrators, you know, when you talked about them not answering the phone or giving the, the minister a call back again, I think it's really crucial to, to go ahead and set that group up before. So, cause they're dealing with, you know, bringing in counselors and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, if you've got somebody that you can go ahead and network through, I just feel like that's really important. Absolutely. On the organizational side of the networking, when yep. as you organize every year, do you set up a regular time where you can reconnect with um, the school officials or where you can do like a little bit of training together? Or is it is it more informal? Uh, no, actually, you know, I, I work well with my principal. And so... I'll go to him and say, Hey, I'm meeting with the ministers today. Is there anything that you guys need? Is there anything we need to talk about? Do you want to come with? Sometimes he'll come with, he's awesome. He, you know, um, and my superintendent's really good, but, um, then it's, it's just about, you know, I guess just having that again, it goes back to that person, that middleman. Um, I probably annoy our ministers a lot because I'm always texting. I'm always like, Hey, can we get together? Hey, you know, but our, our kids know who our ministers are you know, too, when they're on campus. So that's pretty cool. I got to say that anyone listening to this is sitting here being like, man, I need a Christy in my life, you know, (laughs) just (laughs) I'm thinking for myself, like a a teacher who says, I care about these kids so much that I'm going to start pulling in other ministers to their life as well. Like that it's really something remarkable you have there. I hope you know that. Well, the good Lord is, man, he's just been working, you know, just, so, um, but it's, a, it is, you know, as the, the, the liaison, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, you know, finding time to reach out and meet and make sure everybody's on the same, you know, page and getting everybody together. And, and even sometimes having those, Hey, y'all want to go throw axes, you know, developing that relationship too. Mm-hmm. And like bringing our kids in our FCA kids in and praying over those ministers because, you know, you guys know as well as I do that, you know, you're pouring from your cup all the time. And a lot of times those youth ministers aren't getting poured back into, you know, so it's kind of depleting. Yeah. So it's cool that our kids can go and pray over them and hopefully lift them up as well. Christy, one of the things that we're seeing across the country is more and more uh, volunteer led youth ministries, people who are in your position by vocational who are doing youth ministry work. And so for somebody who is bivocational, who kind of sees this need in their area, their community, um, what uh, in the, on that networking side, you're, you're speaking from experience. You're speaking from a a few years in for somebody who's just maybe starting in a teaching role, maybe somebody who is, who has, has been placed in like a Daniel type environment, right? Where they have access to people that no one else has access to. And what, what, what advice would you give them as they start to curate these type of, of community building connections? Like, how would you encourage them to start going? Cause obviously a, a tragedy is a catalyst for that, but how, as a person of peace, can you go and you can start these conversations um, as a rookie, as somebody who's brand new into the field and you're looking at it going, Hey, these pastors over there, 
they should be meeting about what would what would advice would you be giving somebody like that um for one is don't let fear stop you hmm. you know sometimes um especially when you're talking with administrator you bring up god jesus church and they're like whoa no we don't want any of that um i think you have to you know be um persistent in a kind and loving way not as in a righteous holier than that way if that makes sense mm-hmm. to get those conversations started. Um, so not letting fear of being told no. And sometimes you're going to get the no going back and maybe framing it a different way. Um, you know, empowering your kids to also go to administrators and say, Hey, this is what we really want, you know, because with groups like FCA and young life and things like that, their fear of administration is, well, if, um, somebody wants to bring in, you know, a, a witchcraft group, then we have to let them do it too. You know, so there's, there's a lot of fear and I get it, but I guess prayer and let the Holy spirit take over in those conversations and just be persistent. Um, mm. you know, cause it's really easy to be told no. And you're like, okay, but for the greater good, you know, we're called to love kids and make disciples. And so, yeah, just go. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And even for me, the idea of being shot down is always scary. So I'm listening to myself like, yeah, I need to be able to, to hear a no and maybe even push through. And um, so I, we've, we've discussed a lot about before tragedy strikes, the importance of Mm -hmm. networking, the importance of administrators and teachers, everyone working together. That's so good. What I would love to do is to spend the rest of our time. We probably have another five minutes or so. Uh, the rest of our time just discussing two things. Number one, you mentioned that right out of the gate, when tragedy strikes, the organic just being present with kids is super crucial. So I'd love to talk to that point. But then I'd also love to point to after it's after the the shock has starting to wear off, is there like a a more structured thing that's necessary? Um, but but we'll start with the organic point. If you can kind of tell us just how after after this tragic death and just being there for students and just letting them talk and trying to answer their questions, uh, did it go how you expected? Did it did it go better than you expected, or did you have zero expectations during that time? In our experience, we really had zero expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we looked heavily on the Lord um, and just trying to get through and just trying to be there. For the kids and um after that i think yes at the time it was crucial that we were there but in the follow-up was even i think more pivotal for our kids i think that's when decisions kind of are made for kids a lot of times you know and and how they're going to handle that grief and the anxiety and the depression and all the things they're going to walk through um, so I think it's even more important to go back and and check in and revisit and give them opportunities to continue to walk through the grieving process. Because you and I know there's no time limit on that. And as kids are handling so many things and man, they're so great at masking and they're so great at putting that wall up and pretending, hey, I'm OK uh, when they're not. So even more so of uh, continuing strong with the FCA and, you know, just presence, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and how long do you feel, uh, how long was this a conversation point for the students you knew after it happened? How long were you following up? Are you still following up? Is 
What's hey, the process? I, yeah. I mean, I've still got her best friend is still text. I mean, she'll, we'll, she'll go a month and then all the, out of the blue, you know, Hey coach, can I talk to you? Cause this is still going on and she's still trying to figure out the whole God thing and you know, how this happened and why this happened. And, you know, this has been several years ago and she's still struggling. So, yeah, I mean, we still are dealing with those ripple effects. Um, her pam her parents and I are still very close and we talk and, and the things that they're still walking through. So, I mean, it's a, it's a life-changing point, especially with suicide. I mean, I know now we have school shootings, um, bombing, I mean, all this other stuff into play as well. So just continuing to be consistent and a presence, I think are the two most important words that can come to my comes, comes to mind. Consistent with your beliefs and the love and being there and, you know, just being present for them. It doesn't need to be taboo. Mental health does not need to be taboo. Kids need to know, Hey, as an adult, I struggle, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with on different days, but depression and anxiety. And those are real things. Our kids are walking through suicide. Let's talk about it. Let's don't, let's don't not talk about it. And I think that's one thing too, that really opened up conversation lines with kids too, is, um, we talk about it. We bring it up in class. We, Hey, have you had anybody? And so I think that lets them know too, that hopefully we're all in this together, you know, and we don't have to fear, um, hiding or, you know, it's okay to not be okay. And God's going to love you no matter what, you know, your people, your tribe are going to love you. So mm. that's you. Love it. Christy. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your heart and your enthusiasm. It's clear that you are a super duper professional educator that's coming through, but also a super amazing disciple of Christ. So thank you for being so faithful and sharing it with us. Thank y'all for having me. <laughs>
Exactly. And it's just a reminder for those who are very church centric. Some people mm-hmm. are parachurch leaders on this. So you kind of have an advantage in this area. But when it comes to the church centric people, man, use the teachers in your midst. Holy cow. Uh, yeah. What an underutilized resource. And this is an, a perfect example of when it actually works and when it overlaps and it's so good. So that was one thing. And and as as we were talking about this conversation, I kind of had the thought process of on-campus ministry versus off-campus. So for example, if something strikes like that, every area of the country is so different. In my area, it's very hard to offer yourself as a resource just because there's so much skepticism and they tend to keep pastors out. Yep. So I'm listening to it from that lens and I could I can hear some voices say, yeah, but there's no way that they would let me on campus to do this or, you know, I wouldn't be able to do this, this or that. And I just say, you know what? Fine. Set something up off campus. Yeah. And and you got to use your connections of teens who who are involved for sure you can't just you know do it out of the blue Mm -hmm. but don't just give up because the school's not calling you on campus it's one of those things where it sometimes we give up too much and in fact her point where she said don't let fear stop you i was just like yes yes that's so good like even at myself the idea that approaching an administrator can be a little scary that, you know, they're going to question your motives. What if they think I'm, you know, just trying to steal students and this and that. And the, her advice was to just keep pushing through, keep showing up. And the more it's what you said, this is the thing we always talk about in these circles at NNYM. The more you do on the front end, the more you build that trust, the more likely you're actually invited in during a tragedy. And, and it's amazing how each school handles some of these trauma experiences. Um, you know, for example, I I worked with one school and um, they were they were expressly told not to have a conversation about it in a classroom. They were allowed to go out to the guidance counselor. So who went out to the guidance counselor? No one. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's great to have like a conversation at a coffee shop. It's, uh, you know after school at somebody's house, um, offer a space at the church, you know, like, uh, maybe somebody will take you up on it depending on the type of situation. But, um, if there, it it all depends on how the school is, has their trauma response set up. And so sometimes, yeah, they'll allow youth pastors to come on the campus and walk along in the hallways, but you know, more and more I've seen just like what you're talking about, they'll handle it with the people that they trust And then once it's over, they kind of forget about it. And so there's also that extended care that we as church and we as networkers can care for um, students who are walking through this and in, you know, the community as they're walking through trauma. Right. Because trauma really opens the door for people as an awareness towards God in a way Mm. that good times don't like something that I've been struck with even in recent history is the football player for the Buffalo Bills who almost died on the field. Do you know what everyone was doing? They were praying. They were sending out tweets. They were messaging around saying like, pray for him, pray. And and why? Because trauma started to get people to say, we got to, you know, all hands on deck. We got to turn to God in this moment. And it's the same thing in a local trauma where, 
there are going to be people who are more open to it. For example, there'll be students who would never come to your youth group or your church just because, but if their whole class is hurting over the loss of another teen, I bet they will. And that could just be an open door that God allows you to be there in a shepherding moment to be able to help. You just, you can't undersell people's openness to receive whenever there's trauma. And and honestly, man, just show up. Like how many times have you seen a vigil or something like those type of things just spontaneously happen? And if you know about it ahead of time, you got to get there, right? Like you don't even have to say anything. Your presence makes a huge impact Um, because in, in really traumatic situations, it like, it is, it is, you're not going to have a full conversation about the gospel, right? That's just an awkward spot for that. You may have, you know, God might open the door for it, but just show up and, and care for people in the middle of their pain. Um, Because later on, people will be like, Hey, I saw you were there. Did you know so-and-so? No, I was there for one of my students who's really close. You know, those are the spaces that I think we don't utilize enough. Um, We, uh, we want people to come to our stuff, but we don't actually go where people are. And uh, in that space where there's trauma happening, it is an open door and it's an open door for us just to care, show up and care. Absolutely. And the other thing I'll throw, this is probably the last thing that I wrote down worth discussing on this. Uh, It's the idea of how pivotal follow-up is, not just in the immediacy of the event, but following. Yeah, Because whenever a traumatic event like this happens, people go numb, people don't know what they're feeling, and then it hits them later. And then there are layers of grief and just waves of grief. Uh, what, one of the, tr- the, uh, the things I'm trying to get good at, I'm, I'm not great when it comes to remembering details of people's lives like that. Hmm. I'm trying to put dates in the calendar that will be on a Google calendar, for example, when a friend lost his mom, oh yeah, you know, like imagine the power of one year later messaging and saying, Hey, I know it's one year anniversary. How are you holding up? Because yeah. at, after a year, people don't have the immediacy on their radar. And so it doesn't get the attention. So one year later, you still have all of those, those feelings that are raw, but it seems like no one else notices and yeah, sure. we move on. So yep. I would love to see God's people be the people who don't move on. Mm-hmm. So whether you're putting that date in your calendar as like a yearly reminder, but then another thing, set reminders in your phone to follow up with specific people who are most damaged by whatever happened. Right. Uh, because, man, when you're supposed to care about a kid is when they're in front of you. Every kid knows, hey, I'm at youth group. It's your job to minister to me. Cool. So it's great that you ask them and check up on them. But the power of a text message when you're not supposed to be thinking of them, Mm -hmm. it's so huge. Imagine that kid feeling lonely, feeling these big questions of life and God and and feeling everything written in Ecclesiastes at a young age, all of the frailty of life. And then that text comes through because you're walking with the spirit and God's tapping you on the shoulder saying, hey, text this teen saying, hey, checking in. This was a tough situation. How are you processing things? Yeah. That'd be so monumental. 
And also don't be afraid to reach out to parents because every parent also has their own things that they're dealing with. And you might be a young youth worker and this might be the only space where somebody's asking because parents just move on, you know, like people just move on. And so it's a good space to even engage with the family members of, of the environment of that event. Um, especially if somebody lost someone to check in with that mom or dad who lost a son or daughter. Um, those are very powerful moments and, and spaces to be able to show care and concern in the middle of trauma. So love it. Yeah. I don't know about you, but my big takeaway is to, to rethink how I'm building trust with leaders in the schools mm-hmm. on the front end, how I'm getting outside the church walls and connecting with the community. I, I need some, I need some time to process on that and apply it in my own life. So this was super helpful. Thank you, Christy Mays, for sharing your story and for just being by nature an amazing person. Yeah. And if you also have some ideas or tips or tricks, let us know. If you've processed through this before, our world is a broken place and we would like to have those conversations on the podcast. And so uh, you can email us at podcast at nnym.org. If you like this podcast, please like, subscribe, share it with a friend, share it on social media. Uh, We want to help equip the youth workers of the United States to network better um, so that we can make more of an impact for the gospel. So uh, we will see you next time on the Free Refills podcast. Uh, And until then, uh, make sure you're getting together with other youth workers in your community.